We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finn, and we've got a great show for you today. We're going to mix things up a little bit today. In this half hour of the show, we are going to be reviewing books. This is going to be, I maybe we could call it the annual review of books. We've done it before. I usually do it with someone else. But this is pretty impromptu, and we, believe it or not, have in the last couple of weeks just been, it's the, I guess, the holiday gift season coming up. We have a... <laughs> We've got shelves of books that came, and the review team has looked them through and culled through the ones which were deemed uh, worthy of review. So that means to say we only give good review of books or books of, of good. We give reviews of good books, and we give good reviews of, of those good books. And uh, we're going to do that right away immediately. In the second half of the show, we will be talking about the portion of Toldos, Continuing the story in Genesis, we got the birth of the twins, Jacob and Esau, and that's in Genesis 25. We've got wonderful music scattered throughout the show, a very interesting story all the way at the end. And so we're going to go right into book reviews right now. Okay, so... The first book that comes to mind is actually is just, uh, it's probably the newest one. It was probably on the top of the pie. It got, um, it, it uh, received it immediate attention because the author, uh, the book is called The Adidia. It's a novel. And the, the author, Nahama Elbinger, is married to a Detroiter. And they've been living in Israel for uh, maybe 15 years or so. But they come back and forth and visit Detroit. And uh, they've actually visited our house. So this book, Yedidia, is a novel, and it's based on the teachings of Rabbi Daniel Yaakov Travis. And his column, or as it's called, is Thanking Hashem, Thanking God for Things When Things, when things Look Bad. And that's what it's based on. It's a very interesting read, and uh, all the books that we're, uh, we're reviewing over here are uh, two thumbs up. I recommend every single one. You can go out immediately and go get them or go online and go get them. And so again, this is Yedidia by Nahama Elbinger and it's by Feldheim. And there's a, the story uses the, uh, the idea of coming of age, the concerning uh, alienation, standard themes in that matter. But there's, a, there's a, some really cool insights, the way that, that it's presented and that the, the main character, who is the source of the alienation, is, finds himself that he wakes up and he's got verses like stuck in his head, verses in the Bible. And there is a, a general statement, in the, I think it's from the Talmud, that if a person wakes up with a verse in their head, it's actually a state of prophecy. And the Almighty is trying to say something to you. So this has a, it's a, it's a, a really good read. Okay, and that's, again, that's Feldheim, that's Yedidia. Next is a cookbook. We got a bunch of cookbooks. Some of them are like, meh. Some of them are like, okay, it's a cookbook. One, one of them stands out. 
Okay, this is called Persian Delicacies by Angela Kohan, and it's self-published. It is available wherever you get your Jewish books from. And you can ask, if you get it from a book dealer, you can ask the bookstore person to get in touch with this. This is Persian Delicacies by Angela Cohen. And uh, it has my, <laughs> it intrigued me first because I have uh, one of my daughters went to a Persian wedding so not that long ago. And she was describing to me the food and the more food and the more food. And, and so it, it caught my head. Let's see if what's, what this was. And yes, indeed, this has, uh, the, the, uh, the illustrations are fantastic. It's for four, four color separation, which used to mean something way back when it's the, the pictures are tremendous. They're mouth watering pictures. You get excited just by looking at the pictures. And then, then she has like a little, a little blurb about what each one is, why it's called what it is in Persian. And she lists the ingredients that go into it. And very interesting. Some things are, I've never heard, the ingredients, as far as ingredients go, I never heard of these ingredients. And she has them written out in English, and I still never heard of them. And says, if you can't get such and such, which would be available at a Persian grocery store, which I'm not so sure in Detroit if there's such a thing called a Persian grocery store. I know there we have the Chaldean markets and the Arab markets and the Albanian markets even, but I don't know about a Persian market per se. But she gives uh, American substitutes. Okay, like for this berry, you could use a dried Michigan cherry, for example, that type of a thing, which is really very, very helpful. And if anybody's been following us on Facebook, you can go to my Facebook page and last week... Hannah did a cooking demonstration of things grown in Ferndale, at Jewish Ferndale, and some unusual things. And so we presented growing quince, sunchokes, and loofah, and loofah lealica spongia, exactly what we're talking about. So she had a whole thing about quince, and my wife and I are actually at odds about quince, because me, a quince, eh, you could take it, you could leave it. It's not, uh, you know, not my idea of a good time. And I I've, I've say that a quince is one step better than a crab apple. Like, what are you going to do with this thing? And uh, my wife is, no, 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 no. Quince is like the greatest, it's like God's gift to the earth. It was in the Garden of Eden. But I randomly opened up the this book, Persian Delicacies by Angela Cohen. Cohen and it opened up to, this is Divine Providence, a recipe for quince stew, which actually sounded really pretty good. So I'm, I left the page open. I, was, I left it on the table for my wife to see because we still have, she made this wonderful quince sauce. I will say that it's, you know, it's probably uh, half quince, half apple, which is the only way you can eat this thing. But this is, this is a whole thing to, that's done and it's served over saffron rice and uh, sounds pretty interesting. So, yep, Persian Delicacies, Angela Cohen, self-published. Next, we have Outreach in the Torah. There are a lot of books out there, and we, we, got, we, we, we received a whole pile of books. People are writing every week. They write a some kind of insight into the into the Torah portion of the week, and they send it out to in the email. I've been doing it since 1996, and it's called the ePartial. And if you want to sign up for it, you can go to RabbiFinman.com, and there's the ePartial page, and you can even sign up for it and get it delivered. 
we at this point are sending it out. We started sending it out on Fridays, and then people in Australia said we don't get it until Sunday, so could you send it out on Wednesday? So we started sending it out on Wednesdays, and then I saw that people read things earlier in the week, so we now we're sending it out on Sunday nights. So uh, we've been sending it out, and it started as a uh, following a conversation. Uh, someone with whom I learned had a niece who was coming into town and wanted me to meet this niece. And uh, she was very interested and very uh, had lots of interests and things about spirituality. And we sat and talked one Thursday night till two o'clock in the morning. And I even actually invited her to come for Shabbos the next night. And she actually, I said, she's not going to come for Shabbos. But she showed up for Shabbos the next night. So the, I, don't, I don't remember if it was that Friday when after we immediately followed, I sent her the email. Or if it was the following Friday after she had, had been in my house already and gone and moved back to town, out of town where she lives. But I sent her an email. And in the email, I sent her a little insight into what was happening in the portion of the world of the week, and I sent a story that that was, I had just heard, and I looked at it and I said, "Wow, this is this is this is good. I'm going to send this out to uh, my some of the people on my mailing list." At that time, I was using Juno, and I don't think Juno exists anymore. I, my Juno account is shut down a long time ago, and I sent it out to 30 people. And the following week, I got requests, and I sent it out to 100 people, and it just blossomed and grew and grew and grew and now thousands of I send it out to thousands of people every week so there's lots of people sending out lots of e-parshas and things that's what I call my e-parsha and uh, 1996 there were not a whole lot of people now it's everybody and their uncle and brother are all sending out these things so this one this book so we have a lot of books that are basically culled from these these uh, e emails and I never bothered doing it because it's just I couldn't be bothered to tell you the truth because to me it would just seem like another book on the shelf because I'm not making anything up I do research I look at different places and I see what other people have to say about stuff and I write it up and uh, I tell a story and I can't make up a Hasidic story I have to hear it because if I make it up a story it's a fairy tale so but this one out of all the pack there is one and this one is called Outreach in the Torah by Rabbi David Asher and this is Mosaic uh, Press, I believe. And the uh, here the theme is a very important theme, and, I, and, I, and uh, it's the importance of sharing your learning with others. It's not enough that you sit and learn. Okay, it's a very good thing. It's a very important thing that yes, you have to go and you have to sit and you have to learn. That's fine, but you have to. The, the more important thing is. Get other people to learn. As it says, this is even actually taken from a Torah itself. Itself, It says that Abraham planted a tent after he made the covenant with God. So this is Abraham pitched his tent. And Vayikra Hashem B'Shem Kel Olam. And Hashem began promulgating monotheism. Or it's actually Hashem began, little Tychus and Abraham, excuse me, began calling God the God of the world. And the word for called is somewhat strange. It could be, it says not they'd call, but caused others to call. That Abraham then went on this mission of promulgating monotheism. And that became Abraham's life goal, is to get as many adherents to monotheism as humanly possible. And so taking on that idea that 
it is very important that you know, to to make sure that other people also get it. And he has their short, which is good. People don't have time. And we may just use some of these at Jewish Ferndale. At Jewish Ferndale, we have Friday night dinners, Shabbos dinners, and someone says a por- something about the portion of the week. And these are succinct enough that we would use them at the table and to spur discussion again. It's called Outreach in the Torah by Rabbi David Asher. And that's Mosaic Press. Next, this is a biography. Into, the, into biographies? There's a very interesting biography, how this one was called. How was, this was put together. It's called The Prince and the Emperors, the story and the life, the life and story of Rabbi Judah the Prince. Rabbi Judah the Prince, well, let's just give you the details. It's Rabbi Dov Zakheim, Z-A-K-H-E-I-M, and this is Magid, Magid Press. Okay, and this David Zakheim's claim to fame is he was an undersecretary of defense for, I believe it was Clinton, uh, but he's a scholar in his own right, scholar of history in his own right, and has written on, uh, written other books about biblical figures. So this is one about Judah the Prince. Judah Rabbi Judah Nasi was the redactor, the editor of the Mishnah, which is the basis of the entire oral tradition. And there are numerous stories about him, Rabbi Judah the Prince, scattered throughout the Talmud. So what Rabbi Zakheim has done is he's gleaned through the entire Talmud and taken out all the stories related to Rabbi Judah and his, we can uh, support his uh, philosophy, his outlook on life, his Weltungshung, and uh, how he ran his life and interaction with others. And it's a, it's a, it's a really fine read. Again, it's called The Prince and the Emperors. He, had, he did have a lot to do because he was the prince of the Jewish people, so he had a lot to do with the Roman government. That was pri- the primary uh, function of the leader of the Jewish people at the, during that time. And uh, his, he lived after the destruction of the temple. Um, and after he died, the basically the Romans closed down what was then called Judea, and they changed it to Palestine and moved all the Jews out. So it's uh, it's a it's a uh, a time period where you have like a turning of of uh, a paradigm shift in the Jewish world. So the prince and the emperor, the Rabbi Dov Zakheim. Next, something totally different. Psychology and Personal Growth in the Torah by Rabbi Shmuel Feder. And this, again, this is Mosaic Press. These are quick reads, again, based on uh, weekly emails. And uh, these are uh, things to learn, how to pr- improve oneself, how to become a better person. Uh, I, I didn't see in his, uh, I, didn't, I don't remember, I don't have the book in front of me. I just have the, note, the liner notes that I copied down as to his background in psychiatry. But it's, uh, these are very easy and uh, very, uh, it's a good gift if you want to give to somebody, especially like to a teenager or somebody who's got like questions in Judaism. So this is a, this is a good one again. That's psychology, psychiatry, psychology and personal growth in the Torah by Rabbi. Uh, I can't read my writing. Rabbi Shimon Fetter. Okay, next. 
This is very, this one just, just even to talk about this one requires like a whole, a whole lead up. The book is called The Transformative Daf on Rosh Hashanah by Rabbi Daniel Friedman. There is a practice which was instituted just about 100 years ago. I think it was uh, 1936. To make life easier for people, the, the, there was a movement to standardize learning so that if a person decided that he had to go pick himself up for whatever reason, business, whatever, and go to another city, they would be learning the same thing. And this was called dafyomi, that people would learn a page of Talmud every single day, and they the situation was set up so that everybody was on the same page. And it was accepted really very far and wide, first across Europe, you're talking 1936, but then when people came over to America, the last time that they finished it, which was about three years ago or so, so the celebration for finishing it for the uh, 12th or 13th time, I'm not sure how many times it was, was was held in uh, Shea Stadium. It's not Shea Stadium anymore. They call it Citibank Stadium now. Uh, before that, it was in Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden only holds 19,000 people. This one holds 50,000 people. So it has definitely gained in popularity. Now, to learn a page of Talmud, I don't do it. It's uh, too much of an undertaking to spend. I, it takes an hour a day to learn a page of Talmud. And I, I don't have that, unfortunately. Um, so it's, there's a lot of pressure to keep up with it. So he, this Rabbi Daniel Friedman... He, he sort of like sets it up in such a way to facilitate that a person should be able to actually do this learning. And it says it's, yeah, it's like if somebody just wants like synopsis, they want to, if they want to know, it's like uh, reading, <laughs> reading the box score after the game was played. You don't have to actually watch the, you get the idea, you get the general picture. That's kind of sort of like what it's like. But he says, it's also, it's a good introduction for the, for the, the DAF. And I'm thinking if he's got one volume, just Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah is one of uh, 35 volumes of Talmud. So this is going to be a 35 volume set when it's done. I don't know that to be true. I can, it's a big undertaking on their part to come out with, a volume every for every volume of the Talmud, and just this itself is to uh, to have learned the 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 Talmud, the section of the Talmud with such depth to be able to to write this thing up. It's it's amazing. It's very formidable, and again, it's the transformative Daf Rabbi Daniel Friedman, and it's again this is Mosaica Press. Another one from Mosaica Press. They sent me a lot of stuff. They sent me a whole box full of stuff. This one is called Amazing Hypnotherapy Tales. Bracha Pearl Toporovich is a hypnotherapist, and she's had some amazing stories. Now, what's the deal with hypnotherapy? With hypnotherapy, a person has to be really careful as to who their hypnotherapist is. Because a thipna, people could have an agenda. Everybody's got an agenda. The question is, is what type of what? What are you going to allow yourself 
to be allotted to, to their agenda, their, their morals, their values. So because hypnosis is a thing, a person becomes very highly suggestive. Person gives a suggestion. A person's under hypnosis, and somebody gives a suggestion, and it's very easily absorbed into the person. The person might not even aware it. Now, we're not going to talk about like in the movies where you're getting sleepy and you're going to give me all your money. And then, no, no, that's no, not that you're going to go kill somebody. No, that's that's not not it. But it's little things that and how to handle situations that. Uh, could be affected by it. How do I know? Because I actually, I did allow myself to be hypnotherapized for uh, for a short time. And I realized that some of the ways I was acting in certain situations was not the way I would normally have done it, but was actually, I realized it was under the suggestion of the hypnotherapist. So you have to be very, very careful with hypnotherapy. And these are stories of people who... You can well. It, could it change your life? Yeah, it could change your life. If a person has a belief that eating is bad, and then they get a suggestion, eating is good for you, and then they don't have an eating disorder, well, that's a wonderful thing. So again, again, this one I'm recommending. This is amazing hypnotherapy tales by Bracha Pearl Toporovich, Nuts Mosaic Press. Moving on, this one. Um, these are all, yes, these are all fiction, nonfiction books, the next ones. These are, these are more heavier reads. And if you're into, if you want to give somebody like a, a good gift from a heavier read, one was actually light, but we'll talk about it. First one here, one of these, this is called Squirrel Hill. And it's an analysis of the Tree of Life, uh, uh, Trio Life Massacre, which happened a couple of years ago. It's written by Mark Oppenheimer, published by Schochen Books. Mark Oppenheimer was, for many years, the New York Times religion editor. Now he's a professor at Yale. Very, the, the writing on this is very compelling. Very, it's, it's a very good read. It's a deep read. Um, could you read it in bed? Yeah, you could, but you probably want to spend more, give more attention to it. I would say it's more like a curl up on the couch with a cup of tea type book on a cold winter day type thing. And, uh, it goes through an analysis of the Pittsburgh community, the dynamics of the Pittsburgh community. It's uh, Squirrel Hill became uh, world famous after this, uh, but everybody who hasn't ever been to Pittsburgh knows that the, the Jewish neighborhood in Pittsburgh is called Squirrel Hill, and uh, there's it is it is a community, and how the community of Jews acted, and their response to the massacre, and again, so Squirrel Hill, Mark Oppenheimer, Schocken Books. Next, this one's kind of a fun read, but it's also very scholarly. It's Hebrew Infusion, Lessons to be Learned from Summer Camp. And what is the effect that going to a Jewish summer camp had on on, uh, Hebrew and Jewish identity? It is written by Sarah Bunn Brenner. Bunn is B-U-N-N, Brenner is B-R-E-N-O-R, and it's published by Rutgers University Press, and which means it's got something behind it. University presses don't 
publish uh, fluff and stuff. They publish stuff that has got great research. The notes on it are fantastic. And uh, so, again, this is Hebrew infusion. If you went to summer camp and were affected by summer camp and you learned a little bit of Hebrew, a little bit of Yiddish, this book is for you. And next, this is going on. We've got two more. This one is Hidden Heroes. This is a memoir. Maybe it's not a memoir because it wasn't written by the proponent. It was written, it was written by Pamela Braun Cohen. It's One Woman's Story of Resistance in the Soviet Union. And it's published by Geffen Press. And uh, also, the, uh, it's, it's an amazing story of what one person can do against an establishment and against a, an entire regime. So again, that's Hidden Heroes, Pamela Braun Cohen, and that's Geffen Press. Finally, this one, it was, uh, it's been sitting on our desk and uh, the review team was, were saying we're going to get around to it because the title was, was it's, it's definitely sociological. It's not a light read. This is definitely something you're going to have to pay attention to and it'd be something you would buy if you're into titled interests you per se. The book is called Why Are Jews Liberal? I get this question asked to me all the time. What's this idea of the politics of Jews? And it's got a lot to do more than... The politics, it has to do with the whole psyche of being Jewish. It's by Norman Potterance, but it's published by Doubleday. And uh, Norman Potter, Potterance was the editor-in-chief of Commentary Magazine for a zillion years. Now he's off uh, in, some, in a think tank someplace in the Hudson and probably enjoying life. And he doesn't come up with it. He, he really analyzes it, and, and uh, the, the, the premise is, is Jews shouldn't be liberals. But then the conclusion is, well, why then are they liberal? So he's like playing, he's playing both sides. If it's not, it's not a book written by a liberal or or, or uh, saying how great it is that Jews are liberal, and it's not written by a conservative saying, "Woe is us that Jews, so many Jews are liberal." It's it's like right down in the middle. It's like these are the questions, these are the answers, and uh, again, that's why are Jews liberal? Norman Potterans, and that's Double Day. Those are our recommendations for the uh, for gifts for you to buy for your whoever you're buying for a Jewish book for. Again, let's just real real quick. You got Yedidia, which is uh, Nahama Elbinger, and that's a novel by by Feldheim. Persian Delicacies, Angela Cohen, self published. Outreach in the Torah, David Asher. That's Mosaica, the Prince and the Emperors. The Life of Judah the Prince, that's Dov Zakheim, and that's Magid Press. Psychology and Personal Growth in the Torah, that's uh, Shmuel, uh, Shimon, excuse me, Furter, and that's Mosaica Press. The Transformative Daf, Daniel Friedman, Mosaica Press. Amazing Hypnotherapy Tales, Bracha Pearl Toporovich, and that's also Mosaica Press. Squirrel Hill by Mark Oppenheim. That's Shockin' Books, Hebrew Infusion, Rutgers University Press, Sarah Bon Brenner, Hidden Heroes, Pamela Braun Cohen, and that's Geffen Press, and Why Are Jews Liberal, Norman Potterans, and that's Double Day. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the -the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? 
Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Hey, Shulfinman, here you're listening to The Jewish Hour. You may have noticed I didn't do any news because I'm recording the show earlier in the week than normal, and there wasn't a chance for any news to develop. But there was one very interesting news story in that... Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett had a summit with Russian Prime Minister uh, Vladimir Putin in the city of Sochi. And the meeting was supposed to last, it was on a Friday, and the meeting was supposed to last for two hours, and it lasted for five, and which precluded the Prime Minister from actually getting back to Israel in time for the Sabbath. So he spent the Sabbath in Russia. They had made immediate accommodations for him. Chabad was on the, Johnny on the spot over there. Sochi's a resort, resort time. I think they had the, the Olympics they had in Sochi a couple of years ago. And uh, he didn't, Putin tried calling him, but they kept on telling him that uh, he doesn't answer the phone on the Sabbath. But he called him after the Sabbath. Putin called Bennett after the Sabbath and thanked him for the wonderful meeting. And they invited him to come to St. Petersburg, which is like uh, this, the, the city in Russia to go to. And it was all very, uh, it, was a, it was a lot of, a lot of bro love going on over there. So up for your listening pleasure next, this is God Elbaz who we all know, and his son, Benny. His son, Benny, has, his voice hasn't changed. He looks like a bar mitzvah bucher, 12, maybe 13 years old. And this is Evan Maso Habanim. Let's listen. Sua bonim, ever mais sua bonim, ever mais sua bonim. 
Assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's a symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Finman here, you're listening to the Jewish Hour. I found a really cool Klezmer tune. This is called, in fact, the group is called Klezmer Tunes. Pretty new group, and this is Naftuli's Freilich, which has become a standard, and it's a, uh, there's a specific melody, and everybody just improvises with it, and so this is a great improvisational Klezmer tune. Let's listen. Thank you. 
Some things are better the way they used to be, like the crisp feel of a cool autumn day, the serenity of a baby sleeping, or the feeling of coming home after a long trip. Franklin Cider Mills makes cider the way cider is supposed to be. Its old-fashioned, clear, crisp taste reminds you of a cool autumn day. Located in the heart of historic Franklin Village at 14 Mile and Franklin Road, Franklin Cider Mill has been making cider the same way for over a century. Always fresh, with no additives or preservatives. You just can't buy Franklin Cider in any supermarket. Franklin Cider Mill is open from Labor Day weekend to after Thanksgiving from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Come visit Franklin Cider Mill. It's kind of like coming home. Herschel Feminine here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Lenny Solomon is still out there. I was actually quite amazed. He's been doing schlock rock for 40-something years already. And he's coming up with some new stuff. He's got new projects. And we're going to listen to a piece called Jericho.
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. This week is the portion of Toldos. It's found in chapter Genesis 25 and following and discusses the birth and growth of the twins, Jacob and Esau. Let's talk about Esau. Esau was indeed the firstborn and was do all kinds of stuff because he was the firstborn. And then there's all this stuff going on where he gave up being the firstborn, which I'm not so sure today if you could actually sell your being firstborn. I remember asking my older brother, who was a firstborn, would you like to sell your firstborn? He said, I don't even know what that means. What is it? What? What? <laughs> um, we split the inheritance equally, so he didn't get an extra piece or anything like that. And there was no land to uh, inherit. So, But what was the deal with Asav? And there's this discussion about Asav's Jewishness. Here was, he asked the question, his parents were patriarchs and matriarchs, Isaac and Rebecca. And he turned out rotten, like the embodiment of evil. In fact, we've, there's analogies where the battles between Jacob and Esau are the battlements between good and evil. Let's see, he, he became, became like the generic form of the word bad. So where's where's that come from? Well, Last week we had uh, Dr. Rachel Yehuda on, and she could she was talking about epigenetics, and maybe there was something going on with uh, maybe his uncle Yishmael had some kind of impression on him. Who knows what what it was? But it definitely left an impression on all of his kids because none of his kids were like anything to write home about. Although it does say that the vast majority of people who convert to Judaism are descendant of Esau. So there is something there still going on as far as that concerns. Let's talk about this idea of genetic predisposition. Just because your, your father is a righteous person, just because your father's smart, doesn't mean that you are going to be. You have to put in the work. This has always been the thing. Let's say there is such a thing called a genetic predisposition. And we know that there is those type of things. People, I tell people, and people know this, you have no control over what you like or what you don't like. Some people really like chocolate and some people really do not like chocolate. Can you imagine such a thing? Okay. I personally have a predisposition to not liking cilantro. 
Was anything I ever did to me? I don't. The first time I tasted it, it was terrible. And every time I've tasted it, it tastes terrible. But everybody else in my family just loves it. They jump up and down when they have I, Me? It's something, they say it's something genetic, which I can't change. Okay, good. I have no control over it. The question then becomes is, for those things that I have really no control, whether I want to or I don't want to, what do I do with it? And the answer is, you have to do what you have to do. A person may have a predisposition to doing something wrong, but, hey, everybody has to control themselves, regardless of their race, creed, national origin, ha- handicap, ex- orientation, fill in the black blanks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A person can't say, I am predisposed, therefore I'm acting this way. No, it's not, it's not going to work. Sorry. Okay, there was a whole study done by this woman in Texas on people on death row, and she found all these abnormal lesions in the people, in these these uh, murderers. So, okay, so she could say that these people, they really couldn't help themselves because they had these bra- deformed brains, but no, even with such a thing, a person has to know like, right from wrong. That's where the Torah comes from. That's where the Bible comes in. The Bible is the book of wisdom. Of, it's the wisdom of God. And everybody can always do the right thing at the right time, meaning always. That's, that's really the bottom line from the portion. We, can't, we cannot excuse ourselves for doing what's not the right thing. We are going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with the Hasidic story. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of The Jewish Hour, and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? Go to my website, rabbifinman.com. You're probably maybe even listening to rabbifinman.com, but don't click off. It's one of those things I have to work on yet. That if you're listening on the radio to on the radio page at rabbifinman.com and you click on say like the donations page, which I'm going to try and get you to do right now, don't do it right now because it stops the radio. So we're going to redesign that. God willing, it's on our bucket list of things to do at RabbiFinman.com. So uh, if you're not listening on RabbiFinman.com, you can continue listening if you're listening on Stitcher, iTunes, Odyssey Radio, uh, Jcast Network, all the different places where one would find their podcasts. So you can go to RabbiFinman.com while you're listening to your podcast, and you can peruse the website, all the different things that we have there. We present Judaism in an interesting and exciting and fun way. And, of course, what we're trying to get to is the bottom tab is the donations page because we need your help. We have always needed your help. We are on air for 26 years, and we have always made a pledge. Drive. Please help keep the Jewish air on the air. You have been listening to the show for 50 minutes and uh, you've enjoyed it and would appreciate if you could keep 
I enjoy doing it, which is why I do it. If I didn't like doing it, I wouldn't do it at all. But I have never had a show that I didn't enjoy doing. And we need you to help. We need you to step up. And therefore, go to the donations page and click on whatever donation you want to give. Make it a monthly thing. It's also good. Don't like internet giving? Understood. May I send your donation to The Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48237. No, 48220. Fine. Sorry, we got that again. Let's do it again. 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. In 1873, a little baby girl was born. Her name was Devara Miriam, and uh, I'm not. She in the city of Davinsk, which Davinsk is located many miles east of Gross Point Farms. Uh, it's in Poland. Her father died at a young age, and her mother and her siblings moved in with an uncle. And as she grew up, she grew up in an atmosphere of piety. Became a, was was considered renowned, you know, outstanding. For her, for her modesty, for her learning, for her, for her sense of propriety, she was a real good girl. A match was proposed with her cousin. They were raised together. She was kind of like, I don't know if I want to marry my cousin. It's like I was raised with him. It's like my brother. But she didn't have a whole lot to say in it, and they got married. They were married for 10 years. Now, it suggests in the Talmud that a person who is a couple who's married for 10 years don't have kids, they should get divorced because there's something wrong. So they went to the then rabbi of Davinsk, who was known as, Eli, as uh, his name was Rosen. Um, first name, I'm escaping me. I'm going to look it up. Yosef Rosen was known as the Ruggachover Goen, the formidable uh, uh, personality of the previous century. And he presented the, the question, should they get divorced? So the rabbi said, well, according to Jewish law, there's a place where to get divorced. Whether you should get divorced or not is a question for Rebbe. And he sent them to the Lubavitcher Rebbe at the time with Shalom Dever Lubavitch, the Rashab, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, as to what to do. This is in the early 1900s. And he told them that they should move to America. He says the place it says in the Talmud, if you change your place, you change your luck and go to America. So they moved to America and shortly thereafter, but they resolved. And they told the Rebbe they resolved they're going to go to America, but they're not going to get absorbed into America. They're going to they're going to to make America rather than America make them. And they stuck true to their word. And they raised, uh, they had, believe it or not, eight kids. Is that not after having kids for 10? She must have been like uh, 15 or 16 when she got married. And they saw that there was no real good place for kids to learn in New York City. So they started a little school. And that little school grew up to be Torah Vadas. Now you know the rest of the story, which is uh, the first... American yeshiva, it still exists, and there's, there's hundreds of students at Torah Vadas. I believe that they're no longer in Manhattan. I think they moved out to the Flatbush section of Brooklyn. Somebody could drop me a line at rabbifinman.com. 
And let me know. Her husband died in 1926. And she stayed in New York, engaged in all of these activities that she had been in and really pushing was was fundraising for the yeshiva. And uh, she was known as a very pious woman. When she was 80 years old, she decided she's going to make Aliyah and move to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, she actually was given the key to a certain synagogue. And she became like the caretaker. She was the one who opened the doors in the morning for to let all the men in. And she herself never missed a prayer session in the morning, in the evening. She opened the, the synagogue. She locked the synagogue. She lived to be 111. She passed away in 1984. Her great-grandson is currently the rabbi in Hebron, who is on a project now, which is how I got this story, of rebuilding the base Romano, which was an institution which was started by the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe. So the story comes full circle. That's going to do it for us. We hope you had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. Hashem Shomrecha, Hashem Tzilcha.